and welcome to Challenges That Change Us, the podcast where we talk to our guests about how their challenges have impacted them today and how they overcame them. Whether you are someone that feels like you are thriving right now, trudging through the mud or somewhere in between, this podcast is designed to give you practical advice, profound insight into your own experience and inspire you to embrace your life. My name is Ali Flynn, the co-founder and CEO of Tri Altitude Performance, and I will be your host. It's time to buckle up your seatbelts and let's get this ball rolling. Hey guys, welcome back for episode four of our mini series, Beyond the Summit. I'm so pumped that this has gone so well. We've actually given it its own platform. So we're transferring it from challenges that change us over. So if you want to continue listening to Beyond the Summit, you can search it up on any of your podcast platforms on Spotify, on Apple Pod. And the super exciting thing is we've got episode four on here now and episode five and six is already up. So today we're going to interview Dave Ballard from the Brisbane Broncos and just chat to him about high performance. As you know, that team went from very low on the table to grand final in the most competitive rugby league competition in the world. So I was actually really interested in his answers, particularly the part around fun. That was not what I was expecting him to say. And you guys all know that we've recorded it differently in a different space, so it will sound different. It is a really free-flowing conversation. We haven't edited it like we normally edit our normal pods, so you'll hear lots of ums, ahs. It is us in the raw, very loose chatting and, yeah, just basically having a yarn like we would if we were sitting around having a coffee. So enjoy the fourth episode of Beyond the Summit. And remember, from here on in, jump over to Beyond the Summit. It has its own platform, its own. It's going to continue to go. We're going to be adding up more episodes as we go throughout the year. And also, the registrations for the High Performance Summit have closed for March. We are going to be doing another High Performance Summit in October at the end of this year. So if you are interested, keep your ears open and watch our Facebook group because it is going to be so great. And we're going to have some different guest speakers this time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Summit, the podcast where we explore the secrets of exceptional high performance. My name is Ali Flynn, and I will be your host. Today, we have on a guest, a very special guest, David Ballard. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Ali. A really great place to start would be if you could share a little bit about your career and your experiences to date. Yeah, so the the role I'm currently in, head of performance at the Brisbane Broncos, it's been a long journey to here. So starting university in the early 2000s. The transition's been through uh, a lot of learning early on uh, and particularly just learning the ropes in the strength and conditioning industry, uh, mostly in rugby leagues throughout the whole journey, but there was some sort of dabbled in in um, netball and um, the academy sport briefly. But uh, coming through the Queensland Cup rugby league system into uh, my first full-time role at the Dragons, which is down at Wollongong there, working with both the academy space and the NRL space. Lucky enough to work with Wayne Bennett um, and a couple other good strength conditioning coaches there, uh, which I learned a lot from. Uh, we were quite successful in that period, um, so I got to learn what uh, some good things look like there. Uh, from there, went to the Newcastle Knights, uh, and we were on a bit of a journey there. Things going well until a couple of things upset the apple cart, and um, there were some good learnings um, there uh, in a couple of bad seasons as well. Um, from there, made the transition to rugby union, so a little bit of a change up. Uh, different culture uh, and different, a few different 
challenges and different things to learn in that space. But um, the good thing I, there was a, I had a great mentor, Damien Marcher, and then after that, spent a bit of time there and then come to the Broncos. And from there, I've worked in a couple of roles here now. But ultimately, uh, it's a role that I've always wanted to do. Uh, and I'm really fortunate to be able to do it at the Brisbane Broncos. And had an incredible season last year. Um, <laughs> to those that don't know, in the grand final, I was screaming so loudly that my kids came down to ask if I was okay. I was so excited and on the edge of my seat. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what happens over the next 12 months. David, maybe maybe a great question would be around your personal experience of the pursuit of high performance. What has that been? Yeah, I guess um, early on as a kid who loved all sports, probably jack of all trade and master of none there, but just enjoyed it. But in, in terms of there was no real pursuit of high performance early on, like everyone wanted to win, but probably I didn't know what that looked like. Luckily enough, my first interning experience when I was at uni was at the Broncos um, in the early 2000s when they were reasonably successful and, you know, I got a bit of a taste for it there. Over time, I probably, out of luck more than anything, you know, obviously had a reasonable work ethic for it, but I just happened to land at some roles where I had some really good mentors and learnt what that looked like, uh, what high performance looked like at the time. And then it's, I guess, from there, it's just, I don't know, I, I guess a part of it was also getting a taste for of winning and what that felt like when I was at the Dragons. Uh, and that was exciting and exhilarating and it felt good. You know, from there, it's always trying to get to that feeling and, and position again. So to do that, you have to get better and you have to uh, keep improving. And I guess never really thought of it as pursuing high performance, but I guess that's what I've done. So what's one element that you believe has been fundamental to your ability to achieve sustained high performance? The main element, I was, and I'd probably allude to it earlier, is, is I, I love what I do. So. One particular part is is the sport. The, you know, in terms of I'll touch on that. I, I love playing sport, and I uh, loved playing rugby league growing up, particularly. So that's probably my main sport, or, or what I like doing. So that that helps. Loving working with other people and making them better, particularly um, the players, but also now that I have staff working with me, is to help them make, uh, get better as well. So I think um, that is something that is probably not just. For me, it's for, for a lot of people in this industry is because, yeah, if you love what you're doing, you're more willing to put more work and focus work in, into that space. So you can imagine someone who is trying to slug away at this but loves painting. They would hate coming to work. Yeah, they want to be on their own, being creative and, and whatever else. I, I, I prefer to be around other people um, and push the boundaries a little bit and challenge people to get better, challenge myself to get better. And if you've got enough of those people around in the team environment, I think that helps create a culture of getting better and everyone, yeah, if you're working beside three or four guys and they all want to get better, it's hard not for you to want to get better as well. So if, you, if you know, particularly myself in my role, if I can show, uh, if I can be a leader in that space and, and show people what that looks like and I would hope they'd come on for the ride with me without being too demanding of it uh, and being too, you know, you have to do this kind of thing. So... I think that's a, a a good area there, and and the players, from their point of view, like rather than me demand anything from players, if we they can see you know the coach and I have good work ethic, yeah, then they're more likely to get on board. But if we're leaving early, they want to leave early, and it's all about oh, let's just do the minimum we can. You're never going to get to the highest level. So, yeah, I, I think that's a that's a real key. I don't think there's too many people who are really right at the top of the game who don't love what they do. So I think that that's 
and, and and make it enjoyable in some way. And that and that's one of our values and something our coach values as well. So you know, one of his things is to have fun. So what that looks like might be different for me to him, but we value that and um we want our players to feel that. Like he doesn't like having fun, right? So um but part of that part of it is also working hard as well. But that helps people come to work every day if they know they're gonna enjoy their time there and they're gonna get better. Yeah, it's that's that's a big part of it for us uh, in improving and creating a really good culture around us. And and that's been like that. And in all the in all the good times, and I've seen some good times and bad times, in good times at different clubs, that's uh that's something that's very consistent. It's interesting you say that because often when we think about high performance, particularly in the elite athlete world, is it's discipline and it's drive and it's um all about technical skills and like you don't really hear the word fun well don't get me wrong you need all that but mm. fun helps helps offset it right like you talk mm. if you want to talk about yin and yang and you like you can't just have all the nice easy fun stuff and be elite at what you do there's a there's a trade-off there's a yeah you got to do the hard stuff the discipline stuff um you need to get better you need to continually um check out what you're doing and making sure you're at the top of your game to yeah, keep getting better and making sure people aren't passing you. So, yeah, we haven't reached that yet where we are now. A lot of the other clubs, we haven't always got to the top. Um, the, Bron- the the Dragons, um, when I was there, that was um, a really dedicated bunch of guys, but they had fun, you know, as well. So, but they were, you can offset that and you need to have a bit of time where you relax and have a bit of fun and, and grow and connect as a group. But then there's, there's time to work hard because rugby league's a tough sport. Mm, and the NRL competition that you're in is the toughest in the world. You know, it's huge. Yeah, I mean that, that's a th- that's why I love being a uh, in my role. Um, if I, if I was in my role in a sport, um, yeah, they have strength and conditioning coaches for sailors, and and not to take anything away from them, but I'm not sure like if they need the same physical attributes as us guys who sail in the Olympics, and and yeah, they're still at the top of their game. But there's a high skill and knowledge element, and. Whilst there's still a skill and knowledge element in rugby league and, and decision-making element, the um, the physical attributes are, are, are very high what we need. Obviously, we need high aerobic levels to, to play for long periods of time. We need speed, uh, and that's one of our hallmarks of our team, that we've got a lot of speed and strike across the paddock. Obviously, we need size and strength and power as well for, for the contact reasons. So there's a lot of elements that go into it from a physical point of view. So... I really love trying to challenge the players with that, but also knowing that there's other levels um, to the players that they need to know technically and tactically. Um, but they also have, they're also people as well, and they've got their own issues from outside of sport that, you know, we've lucky we've got a great wellbeing guy at our club as well that helps in that space as well. So, you know, there's a, it's also not just looking at in my area, but how, how we link in with the other guys as well, the coaches and the wellbeing guys. And it's really easy in the high-performance space to forget that we're human. Don't you think sometimes that human aspect can be left off? <laughs> yeah, yeah, def- definitely. And, yeah, and that's why the question you asked before around um, life-defining, I'm not sure if I, – I hope it never get to um, something to say life-defining because you think about your family and you know, other things are so important as well. But the truth of the fact is that you – to be high performer, you need to put the hours in. So you do need to spend a lot of time uh, in your field of choice. And because you ask, like I said before, like you're know, spending a lot of time there, you want to enjoy it. So I just, you know, you, once again, it's the balance between it all, the trade-off, how good do you want to be, um, how much life do you want to have outside of your career as well, 
Uh, how badly do you want it? Win it? There's, it's balancing it all up, which is uh, obviously challenging. And you can see why well, I go back to again. If you love what you're doing, then you're not wasting your time there. Essentially, well, I, th- I don't think you are as long as you're giving the other people you love your time. So, yeah. Mm. And for you, is there a difference between peak performance when someone's absolutely at their very peak, top of the mountain, versus sustained high performance? Are there different things that come to mind when I say those two words? Well, I, you know, I don't know if I've I've seen sustained performance for long enough to say I'm a master at knowing exactly what that looks like. But I think we're in a pretty good routine here now about how we're trying to continually evolve and get better. And what that looks like for us now is always um, is the review process and always reviewing what we're doing, obviously planning, sort of doing our training or our systems, whatever we've got in place, and then checking whether that's working or not for us. That's been a good process so far and we're probably too early on to say if how sustained we're going to be with it because there's so many things that impact performance. You know, and we've got also the salary cap in rugby league, which is there to level our performance. So the challenge is always trying to stay ahead, trying to keep uh, new players, get them to, to the level they need to be at or the young guys, develop them. There's so many things involved that sustained excellence in rugby league is very hard. Um, our... The team we played in the grand final recently have shown they can do it and they've done it for three years, which is sustained in rugby league. Um, it's hard enough to go back to back, let alone three in a row. Um, so that's the benchmark and that's, um, yeah, the challenge is to, is to be at those sort of levels for long periods. There's other teams that can, you know, be in the top four for four or five years or in the top eight for 10 or 12 years, but winning competitions regularly year in, year out is very challenging in our sport. Mm. And Something I think I've asked you this over the years, but it fascinates me so much is if you have two players with the same physique, what separates them? You know, so what what's what factors separate elite high performers from the rest? When when you look at uh, rugby league players, obviously there's a there's a fair element that physical attributes, but there's also yeah the the level of um, skill they have as well. So at the at the moment, it's funny you ask that question. We're we're sort of reviewing that through this season. This is a season we're going to reflect on all that on our benchmarkings for positions, and look at what truly is important and what is more reflective from those physical attributes within the game. Um, that's a good question, and that's something that we're working on now. So, uh, but certainly, we can't just look at physical attributes because rugby league's got the you know technical technical. It's also yeah, what makes them consistent from a well being purpose as well if they got all their things sorted off field so they can so they can perform at their best at training and in game so that that's a real challenge there's so many things that interact to check that out but that's part of yeah that's also part of what, what we try to look at uh within that um within our uh processes instructions and systems as well and what about because you haven't mentioned that and you know I'm going to ask this question I'm so the other thing I'm very interested in is what about mindset and what happens between the two ears so does that play a role when you see two athletes um and one pushing forwards further or one getting higher up or one performing better it it certainly can be you know you could have the strongest mindset uh in one space so that could be in physical training but if you're really good there and your football skill is no good then doesn't matter how hard you go physically, it's how what's your attention to detail like your focus. Like some guys that have that have got really good sidesteps and certain physical attributes or something that they've been doing since they were five, six, seven, eight years old, 
they've been doing that all their whole junior. So they've actually been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years already. So we can't just expect someone who doesn't have any footwork to come in and do a big sidestep to be able to produce that quality and work on it for six months because these kids have been doing it since they were young. So, yeah, it's really there, – there's certainly a mindset to it um, for some guys and the mindset could be uh, in the most – some guys are really tough in the game and the pain of the physical pain doesn't hurt them, um, but they hate ice baths. You know, there's, there's a real mix of guys who are really strongly minded in certain spaces but not others. So um, they're really open to football, uh, learning new skills, and they're really skillful and really good at that, but they're not open to eating well. Or, yeah, so there's a really mix. There's a real mix. Um, so it's, um, you know, part of our role is trying to assist them in, in learning, maybe showing them how that might help their football. Because if you just tell them, oh, you need to eat good because, yeah, this is what everyone else does, well, they don't care. They want to know how that's going to help their football. So it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a juggling act. You know, sometimes it takes mess, consistent messages from, a group of people, so myself, the coach, and someone else, or sometimes a player will, will pick something up straight away. Um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's a big part of our program in terms of how we get the messages across to players or how we work with them to just be a bit better um, in whatever space. And I would love to ask the question, but we don't have time, about how you leave your personal world at the door when you walk into training, you know, um, unless you can answer that in a minute. But I'm just thinking about all your players and you, like, you know, you're talking about this kind of container of really high performance and dedication, but there's a whole life outside of that as well. And how, and I know as CEOs and I know as leaders, we're often uh, struggle with this, you know, how do we help our staff or how do we ourselves separate those worlds when we need to? And can we, and should we? Everyone's still human, so you have to. Um, I mean, some people are better at um, leaving at the door when they come to work, and it's the other way around as well, right? Like if we have a bad day, when you if you have a loss, you don't want to come home and take that home with you. And since I'm having kids, I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier when you've got kids not to. Um, I think before that, you kind of hold on to it a lot longer. Yeah, but I think you just got to treat everyone um, individually because everyone sort of, uh, feels things, takes things differently. Everyone's got their own personality. So I think being aware of that as a as a leader and as a manager to sort of understand where guys are at, ask the right questions to help them out um, is very important because if they feel that, obviously helps connection to you as a as a leader and manager um, with your staff. But it also, you know, they there's more trust that sort of comes with that as well if you can understand their position. Um, knowing on the flip side, you also they're there to work and they're there to get a result as well. So it's trying to balance that up. That's just a decision you've got to make and you work through those issues one by one depending on, on you know, the time and the place and, and, and the person. Thanks for joining us in today's episode of Beyond the Summit. If you're inspired by what you've heard by Dave Ballard and you would love to hear more from him and insights, interact with him and learn from other exceptional high performers in elite sport, military, organizational psychology and business, join us at the Ultimate High Performance Summit in March 2024. For details, click on the link in the show notes. Till then, thanks for listening and stay committed to your high performance journey.
And that's a wrap, guys. So thoughts, comments, feedback, please give it all to me. Uh, This is just a taster, right? This is just a taster of some mini series to see if this is something that you love, that you want more of. We can do them in lots of different spaces. DM me. Let me know. Can't wait to hear from you guys. And I will see you on Monday for our normal Challenges That Change Us episode. Thank you everyone for listening and taking the time out of your day. I believe we can learn so much from connecting with other people's experiences and stories. I hope you've gained some strategies and insight from today's episode. You can gain more by joining our Facebook group, Challenges That Change Us, or next week we will return with another episode. 